Have you ever had a good run with the Lord and then all of a sudden you were surprised by your lack of faith? Something caught you off guard. It's one of those just when you're doing well, then bam, something bad happens scenarios. I'm not being pessimistic here, but sometimes our faith is hit from the blind side and we're perplexed and in need of a reboot. A reboot. Well, all of us are going through that right now with the COVID-19 thing that's happening. It was going very well for most of us just a month ago. We had problems and we amplified those problems, but then those problems didn't necessarily change, but there was a definite downgrade because we have a more significant problem. We had a good run with the Lord, and then all of a sudden we were surprised. Now, the question that I'm asking here, were you surprised by your lack of faith because you were caught off guard? Many were, and I, I admit, I I not only don't like what's happening right now, but I, I tend to worry too, as I told my my children, what's coming around the bend won't be my problem, but it will be yours. You won't live in my America. You're going to live in a different America. And I do, I do see that coming. And so what I want to do in this podcast, I want to talk about it. And it's, it's not just because of what's going on in current events. It because, it's because this is a reality for, for all of us. In any other season of our lives, because the temptation is to struggle and our faith can take our faith can take a hit. Thank you for joining me for the podcast. I am Rick Thomas. You're listening to Your Daily Drive. This is the podcast where I do put my articles in audio format so that you can listen to them. We're also pumping out a lot of YouTube videos as well. And if you haven't subscribed to our YouTube channel, I would appreciate it if you would subscribe and and share it as well. Lori said today that she actually likes this format better. She didn't say better than what, but she just said better. I'm going to assume that is better than the articles and better than the podcast, not because of a quality thing, but we do live in a video video age, and videos are extremely popular. They're way more popular than articles, and they are more popular than podcasts as well. And so we are in the video world now. And so if you would go over to our YouTube channel, I I want you to watch some of the ones that we have been putting out, and I want you to subscribe and share them as well. Emily said that she really liked the videos too. Emily Gray, thank you also for being a supporter of our ministry. And then Eric, he said, I'm digging the videos. And so thank you, Eric. And and also, and Lori too, along with Emily, uh, Lori and Eric, thank you for supporting our ministry as well. All three of you do, and I'm glad you are digging the videos. All right, now the title of this article is What to Do When You Can't See What You Should See. Now, that, that, that should help you to see where I am going in this podcast. Uh, now, if you do want to read it, you can, and that's the title of the article. And so you can read it, you can listen 
to it, and I think it will serve you well. Because typically when we are blindsided by something, there is something that we are supposed to see. And sometimes we can only see what is happening right in front of us, the practical problem that is staring us in the face, and we can't see the deeper issue. And that's what I want to address in this podcast. Now, I I want to do this by doing a just I want to land in Mark's gospel, the gospel according to Mark, specifically, well, right in the middle of it, at the hinge point of Mark's gospel, where Jesus is having this interaction with his friends, the disciples. The Pharisees are all are are also there as they as they typically are causing trouble. And so there's a lot happening in Mark chapter 8, and this is where I want to focus. I have part of the text written here or pasted in this article so that you can read it, but it would serve you well to read Mark chapter 8, the first 21 verses. It was the second... This was the second mass feeding with the bread and fishes. The first go around, Jesus fed 5,000 folks, not counting the women and children. This time, he only fed 4,000 people with a a little bit of bread and uh, a few fish. It's during this scene, this second scene, the second feeding, that the, the disciples had a memory lapse from the first feeding, and they were struggling with their faith. Do you see what happened here? They've already seen not just this miracle of feeding 5,000 the first time around, but they have seen Jesus do so many other things. And now in Mark 8, they're at the second feeding, and, and they're about to see him do something extraordinary again. And you have to wonder, why are you struggling with your faith? You've seen God do so many things in your life. Now, notice how Jesus talked to them about this. Their conversation would be more humorous. I'm going to share it here in just a second. But their conversation would be more humorous if it were not so relevant to how we can be at times. There are occasions when the Lord has to remind us that he's still in charge. And and, and if you would think about the past miracles in your life, it will serve you with where you are today. Now, here's how it went in Mark. I'm just going to give you 17 through 21. But again, if, if you really want to spend some time in this, read Mark 8, the first 21 verses. But here is 17 through 21. And Jesus aware of this, said to them, why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive or understand? Now, I want you to highlight that in your mind. That is the question of this podcast. That is why I titled the podcast, What to Do When You Can't See What You Should See. Jesus said it this way, Do you not yet perceive or understand? He goes on, Are your hearts hardened? Having eyes, do you not see? And having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember? That's why I said this would be humorous if it wasn't so if it wasn't so applicable. 
Jesus said, when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many basket, baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? They said to him, now, I, I, I can only read into this, and I can see them hanging their heads and shuffling their feet when they said this. A monosyllabic grunt, here it is, hang on. They said, 12. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> What can you say to God? And Jesus returns. And and the seven, he's asking, and the seven for the 4,000? How many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? Here comes the teenagers again with their monosyllabic grunt. And they said to him, seven. <laughs> and he said to them, do you not yet understand that's Mark eight seventeen through 21. I hear, but I do not understand. I see, but I don't perceive it. At times it, feel, it feels as though I haven't made much progress at all. I have read the Bible for years. I've learned much. God saved me in the fall of, of 1984. That was a while ago. I've served much. I've done a lot. I've been with God for a long time. And sometimes I think I haven't learned anything and can feel so juvenile in my faith. Now, typically this perspective happens after I do or say some knuckleheaded thing, which occurs suddenly. Experientially, I know that God is, but still... There are faith issues in my experience, the way I think and the way I operate daily. There are moments when I lack trust. I have ongoing battles that promote a lack of faith. That's what ongoing battles can do. You don't want your ongoing battles to promote a lack of faith, but you you want your ongoing battles to, to grow your confidence in God. Most believers struggle this way, though. I know I'm not the only one. Trusting God, as simple as it sounds, is one of the hardest things we'll ever do. It really is. I'm not talking so much about trusting Him with your salvation, which can be a battle for some people. But I'm speaking about trusting the Lord practically with our mundane, everyday choices and our vital relationships. Starting at Mark 8, I said earlier, this is the hinge point in Mark's gospel. We're coming to the end of Act 1 in his gospel narrative. The extended prologue, these, this first part of Mark, these eight chapters or seven chapters, is closing. And now Mark is about to turn the page to his stretch run to the cross. Up to this point, Mark has been communicating a message of hope by showing the activity of the Savior. Jesus had been doing busy stuff. One of the characteristics of Mark's gospel is the rapidity of the action that's in Mark's gospel. All four gospels have their own personality. And what you're going to read in, in Mark, it's shorter, but what you're going to read is boom, 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 boom. I mean, Jesus is just, he, Jesus is moving, he is grooving, he is proving that he is the man. And there is no question to his closest friends and even many of the others that the Savior is a miracle worker. 
plus maybe something else even more special. They're starting to get a clue. People are starting to talk. But despite all the evidence, the disciples still did not get Jesus. The disciples' struggle does beg the question for the rest of us. Do we get Jesus? Do we get him? But let me go deeper with with the probe by asking a more personal question. Are you faithfully trusting Christ when things are not working out well for you? Whether it's COVID-19 or whatever the current circumstance is in your life. The disciples' slowness in understanding Christ, in my twisted mind, it is a significant encouragement to me. No, I'm sad that this was happening to them, but it's kind of like when I read David in the Old Testament. I find a similar encouragement because he was a flawed man, and so I'm not boasting in their flawedness, making fun or mocking them, but I do find encouragement in the disciples' slowness in understanding Christ because I do not get him all the time either. Jesus gives of himself again and again throughout or up to this point in Mark's gospel. And they have seen the rapidity of his actions. Boom, 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 boom. They have just seen him moving and grooving. And the boys are still not sure if he's the right guy that they should be following. Part of the problem is that a lack of faith tends to happen when we are not getting what we want. Now, you see this with the Pharisees. And I realize, I mean, the Pharisees, they weren't interested in the truth. And you see them in this story in Mark 8, 11. It says the Pharisees came and began to argue with him. Surprise, surprise. Seeking from him a sign from heaven to test him. Well, the disciples were doing a similar thing, but of course, they had different motivations. They weren't the Pharisees, but both of them in their own ways were doing similarly. They were testing Jesus. The Pharisees, they had their plan. And at the end of the day, it didn't matter what Jesus did or did or what he said. They were not going to trust. They were not going to follow. They wanted a particular kind of Savior, one that would bend to their wishes. If Jesus is not going to give me what I want, I will not I will not follow him. Now, that's the attitude of the Pharisees. But I, I think the Pharisees, uh, they could be cousins to how I think sometimes as well, because that presupposition and practice, that attitude, those things do not they do not work with God. Jesus will not be on my team just because I want, I want to bend him to my desires. No, I have to endorse his plan. And it does not matter what I'm going through or what I want, at least not primarily. We like a God who is, who is not manipulatable. I mean, everybody wants God not to be manipulatable, caveat, unless he's not giving us what we want. The self-centered, personal, agenda-driven Christian is out of luck with an unbendable Savior. There is only one playbook, 
It is when a person wants things to turn out according to their hopes that there will be a crisis in faith. They will, the bump, the rub, will always be when, when you want something bad enough and a crisis of faith. And when you see the crisis of faith, then, well, there's something happening here. They want something real bad. In Mark 8, 12, Jesus is sighing. He sighed at this kind of attitude. The Pharisees were arguing while asking him for a sign to prove who he said he was, and Jesus sighed. I can be that way, too. Rather than trusting Christ, we want him to do something for us, and and then we will believe Jesus sighs at this kind of thinking. Life is not supposed to turn out the way we want it to happen all the time. And so Jesus asked his followers, here's the question again, do you still not understand? It's the right question for you and me. Do you still not understand after all the things that he has done? Now, the best way to address these problems of understanding and trust, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so faith and trust are they are connected. They're inseparable because understanding, knowledge, information leads to trust. And so the best way to address this problem is by asking a few questions. When our faith is weak and our issues are tense, you want to take an inventory of what you know about God because that is what, Christ, that is what Jesus is asking with his do you not understand question. And so let me make a few queries. Do you know Jesus? Now, that's the most basic question that I could ask anyone. I don't want to assume that all of my listeners are believers in Christ because I know that's just not true. In Mark 8, some were believers. The disciples, they were believers, and some weren't. The Pharisees, everybody that hangs with Jesus is not necessarily a follower of Jesus. Thus, the first issue to clarify is your salvation. If you're not a Christian, I appeal to you to become one. You, you can talk to us. I have a link here right at this point in the article. You can click on it, and it will take you to our free community forums, and you can ask us your question. These forums, are they are supported. They are paid for. It, it allows me and a group of other people to do what we do because people support this ministry, and so you can come here, and there's no hook, no catch. You can talk freely. And you can ask us, you can talk to us for years. And there, there are many people who have been with us nearly from the beginning. But if you're not a believer, I want you to come. We would love to lead you to salvation. Now, if you are a believer, are you resting in his assurance? Assurance of salvation I'm talking about. Jesus said in 1028 to John, I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Do you understand what Christ did on the cross, accomplished through his resurrection and offers to you through his gospel and so if you're, if, you, if you're not a Christian, come, talk. If you're struggling with your assurance, you can also find help as well.
Now, for those of you who are trusting believers, you're not struggling in your salvation, you can still deviate from his playbook. The disciples did this in Mark 8. Christ called them, which is a version of what happened to you when he saved you. He he called you. God calls us to salvation. We repent and believe after he calls us, and then we follow him unto until heaven. But there are times when the journey becomes hard and the temptation to let up or walk off the path is powerful. The disciples did this right after Christ died. A little bit farther along the path from Mark 8, you, and you know the story, that, that they did. They, the temptation was strong, and they all just they went fishing, as Peter said, I go, I go a-fishing. Then the resurrection, the resurrection had not happened yet. They were living between all controlling fear and disappointment. They fell into the I want to have it my way kind of thinking, which was an untenable posture to take. You can't take that posture. A faithless heart means fear is at work in the idol factory. It's the comfort monger in all of us that reverts to the gospel according to me to bring about a more preferred lifestyle. It's a religion wrapped around personal desires that serves a myopic plan in a little kingdom instead of trusting the king who should be sitting on the heart's throne. In Mark 8, 18 and 19, Jesus was reminded the disciples about the five loaves for the 5,000. Then he stated the obvious by asking about what just happened. Now, the first, you remember the first time, they, what they say? Twelve. That was, that was the five loaves and the 5,000. That's how many basket full they, baskets full they had. And then the, the second time around, he asked them again to 4,007. Afterward, he popped the real question. You, you see, asking the practical thing of what's going on with the 5,000 or the 4,000, that wasn't the real question. But then he popped the real question, do you not yet understand? Now, I want you to think about that question. The point that he was making was not about the bread, but about their belief. Sometimes we can become so problem-centered that all of our questions and all of our answers about the problem. People will come to our website with a bad marriage, for example. That's what they want answered. Fix my marriage. I want my marriage to change. And that is a good thing to ask. I understand the disciples were asking a similar thing. We have some people here, and they were hungry, and they need bread. We don't have enough bread. Let's, they were problem-centered. And so Jesus asked them some questions about the problem that they were addressing, but then he went deeper. It wasn't about the bread, but about belief. And so the person that's struggling with marriage, there's a more significant question about belief. Your marriage is important, and it would be nice if, if everything was, was harmonic within your relationship. Jesus is asking them, is your heart so hard that you cannot see or believe. As Jesus would say, do you not yet understand? He could have said, after all you have heard, after all you have seen, after all you have been through, who do you think I am? You must understand what Jesus was attempting to teach them. 
They were struggling over a practical matter about feeding some folks. Jesus was trying to get them to see that their practical problem bred pointed to a more significant issue, belief. They did not clearly understand that he was God in the flesh. They were tripping over the bread problem because they still did not believe Jesus was the Son of God. You will always struggle in the practical realm if your faith in God is weak. And so when the person comes and they have a marriage problem, yes, I would love to fix every marriage problem. And I, I weep with folks with marriage problems or whatever the problem, practical problem may be. Maybe it's not having enough bread. But, but if that problem is overwhelming, then there's a belief problem which is more significant. The truth to learn is that after you move away from the distractions, the practical problem, and focus on the real problem, you have a person who who does not want to believe in God the right way. Following Jesus is the most challenging life you'll ever live. The disciples eventually accepted the burden and risk of following Jesus, and, and they turned the world upside down. They became martyrs to boot, except for John the Beloved. Once you have sanctification salvation, I put that in quotation marks, to where you are willing to walk away from all preferences, all hopes, all dreams, and best wishes, you, you're in the crucial space spot to become Christ-like. I'm not saying it puts you on easy street. It doesn't. You know that. We know better. You'll continue to struggle, and there'll be many temptations, even after you have sanctification, salvation. And all your relationships won't be blissful, but you will be different. There is a breaking at salvation, and there is another one in sanctification. Sometimes it's a heart, it's heartbreaking, like what the disciples experienced at the cross that dark day. It does not have to be through this kind of personal or relational disappointment, but your faith must undergo the testing that tries you and you're stronger for it. I want to wrap up this podcast, but I want to share one more thing. As you ponder what I have been speaking about thus far, there is one more message that you must not miss. Here it is. Christ does not give up on his disciples. All the way through Mark, he never gives up on them. Even right now when he's asking, do you not yet understand? Come on, boys. He is not giving up on them. Though they were weaving all over the road like a bunch of drunks, and they weren't drunk, Jesus kept pressing in on them. Why? Because he loved them. What God started with you in salvation, he will persevere with you to the end. God is a persevering God. When Jesus asked them, do you not yet understand, do you not yet understand. It seems to imply that they will understand in the future, and they did. Christ did persevere with them. He didn't walk off. He didn't give up on these boys weaving all over the road. Jesus was relentless, especially when they were weak in their faith. And you too could be weak in your faith, but God is not a weak sovereign. 
He will never give up on you. The Christian life has always been seeing but not seeing, hearing but not hearing, remembering and forgetting. But the hope is always that you will eventually get it. Do you not yet understand? And you will get it eventually. Why? Because God will not give up on you. He loved his disciples despite their lack of faith. And he thinks similarly about you. He already proved this by dying for you and then reserving a spot in heaven for you. 1 Peter 1.4 To an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. The title of this podcast is What to Do When You Can't See What You Should See. If you want to read it, I would love for you to do that. I have a call to action, as always, at the bottom of this article. There are nine things here, and I would really love for you to, to read through them, find a friend, and, and talk, talk, with it, talk about it with them. And we're always here for you. As I was saying earlier, we have people who support us financially, and it frees us to, to, to serve you, and we want to do it. So please do it. Get the article, What to Do When You Can't See What You Should See, Talk to someone. Let's get after this and and let's see what the Lord does for you. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast and God bless. Your Daily Drive is a production of rickthomas.net, a global community that is seeking to live more productive and inspiring lives. If you'd like to learn more about our community, please go to rickthomas.net, rickthomas.net.